the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Please like the podcast and subscribe to this channel. Thank you. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now. Hi, my name is Nigel Beckles. My new book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices. Now you can discover the dangerous myths about love. If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons. How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life. Available from Amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also available. Please join us for the very first Indie Pods United Convention. This online event is for both new and veteran podcasters, where we will listen and learn from each other. The online Indie Pods United Convention begins on the 29th November through until the 3rd of December 2020, featuring amazing shows and information to learn more about the great world of podcasting. For more information and to register for this unmissable event, please visit the website now, IndiePodsUnited.com. Indie Pods United Convention. Together we listen. Sponsored by Pinecast, Reset Business Consulting, the SJ Network, Rocabella, Cami, and Kelly. Kimberly Wardle Crowley, host of This Is Your City, continues the conversation, exploring relationships with author and advocate for survivors of domestic abuse, Nigel Beckles. This is your city. This is your city wants to know. We want to know the background, the heartbeat of what makes up our beautiful cities. We dig into the backstories from the struggles to the successes of our local entrepreneurs, small business owners, artists, not-for-profit organizations, and the many, many people who make up the intricate tapestry of our communities. Real people, real stories, by you and for you. Let me just ask you this so you don't think and I'm, I'm trying to put this through my head can you you cannot be codependent as well as a controller can you be both in the real can you be that in one person a controller and a codependent person yes 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 you can unfortunately uh for the codependent they can seek to control by their giving right but that's not necessarily going to work with an abuser because they're, they're still going to be taking, taking all day long. Right. Um, yeah. So it is quite possible. Um, someone who's got codependent tendencies will try to control because maybe part of their giving is actually a manipulation tactic to get their partner to do what they want them to do. Hmm. I'm thinking about it and I'm just going to be very vulnerable and transparent at this moment. I think I'm better. I don't think I'm as codependent. When I was younger, I was codependent, but I'm also a controller and I'm working on that. <laughs> I think because of my background and, and how I was, how I grew up in situations, I needed to have that control because I was, it was always so out of control. And I'm also codependent because when I feel or see people in, in those kind of roles, I want to be that help them because I've been there. That's why I'm thinking, I think I'm kind of both and maybe both of them are a little unhealthy. <laughs> well, I look at things on a spectrum. As you know, I uh, study and help people who've been involved with narcissists. So with narcissism, that's measured on a spectrum. So basically the more traits a person has, so there are nine traits, I'll 
do a quick explanation. So there are nine traits for, uh, to be officially diagnosed as a narcissist. For example, strong sense of entitlement, arrogance, always envious, etc. But, you know, if someone wanted to find out the nine traits and so just Google it online, nine traits of a narcissist, that's all there. So basically measured on a spectrum and we all have spectrums of behavior. You know, it's really just a question of, is it damaging other people? That is always my right. litmus test. Is the behavior or the attitude damaging to somebody else? You know, because obviously we all like to have control of our lives. I mean, being in control of our lives makes us feel secure. You know, nice to have enough money in the bank, enough food in your fridge, etc. Right. Um, but when the, someone turns into a control freak, mm. then basically what they're trying to do, they're trying to manage their insecurities by controlling somebody else. And do you think it's the same guidelines? It's the same for men and women? Yes. I mean, the thing sometimes, well, there's a couple of things to unpack there. First of all, society often gives women who are abusers a free card or get out of jail free card for want of a better phrase, um, because that's basically not society's view of women. So there are a lot of guys out there who are being uh, abused and uh, suffering in silence. And the guys have the problem in the sense that as men, we are not socialized or orientated as children to express our feelings. So it's for guys generally, it's, you know, as children, big boys don't cry, you know, right. man up, etc. There's something uh, called the guy code. So guys generally, they'll talk about work, sports, cars, anything to avoid actually talking about their emotions because they don't want to be judged. They don't want to be seen as being less masculine as their peers. Mm -hmm. But then that leads to the other problem. The other problem being that the suicide rate for men approximately is two thirds higher than it is for women. Right. So when you do the research, the research tells me that more women attempt suicide, but more men succeed at suicide. Wow. Uh, so for example, I had a childhood friend, you know, we were always in and out of each other's house, etc. as children. And yeah, 2014, he went to a car park, high rise car park and just stepped off the roof. And that was that. So in certain senses, you can say, well, a suicide attempt can be a cry for help. Someone might take a, a load of pills, but there's a possibility they may wake up. If you step off a car park roof, you can't say halfway down, oh, I've changed my mind. I think there has been, and there is, and maybe there are, I don't know. There are people who use that as an abusive ta tactic as well in their relationships who are constantly talking about they're gonna they're gonna end their life or they attempt many times as a way of controlling that relationship as well. Mm -hmm. I've known that in my personal life of people who use that and that's an abusive tactic. Would you not say so? Somebody who's always threatening to take their life or attempting to take all these pills to control that relationship. It is a abuse tactic or it can be an abuse tactic but it's also a control tactic. Because at the end of the day, if someone's threatening to take their own life because you've left them, for example, well, it's quite possible they may do it. But in my experience and in my observations, very rare, very rare they follow through. It's a control um, tactic. Yeah. So it's like a control tactic at the end of the day. So again, if we go back to narcissists, so in the narcissist basically has a relationship cycle. So the cycle is idealize, devalue discard they may well come back around which is called the hoover 
Now, this is where the Hoover is relevant in the sense of they're now trying to get back in to the ex-partner's life. And one of the, one of the things they will do is pretend to be sick or pretend to be suicidal pulling on the heartstrings to say, oh, you know, I'm, I know I'm suffering, I really need you, I'm distraught, etc. But that's just a ploy. And once it, a person gets sucked back in, that same abusive relationship cycle will just go around again, probably the next time faster. So how do, okay, so how do we avoid that? So we're working on ourselves, we're, we're, we're getting ourselves healthy, we're recognizing some of our own pitfalls, and we think, okay, I've been working on myself. I'm doing well. I'm doing okay. Now it's time for me to go out and find that special someone. So then what qualities should we be looking for in a partner to avoid some of these pitfalls? Again, in my book, I've got a chapter called Seven Essential Character Traits. The things you should be looking for in a potential partner. So I always say, well, when we go shopping generally, we make a list. We make a list with the objective of coming home with what we went out to get. Well, if you're on a dating scene, a list is no different. I always advise people write a list. What type of person are you looking for? That's the first thing. You're looking for someone who's like healthy, got good self-esteem, honest, has integrity, all of those, you know, positive things. But unfortunately, you could be looking for those things, but you also need to understand how to spot red flags. Right. Because the reality is there are a lot of people out there walking around with undiagnosed personality disorders. They're chronically, mentally and emotionally unstable. They've just never been diagnosed. And they're going through their life, you know, damaging other people. So you have to kind of be aware of what potential red flags could be. And those red flags should be your deal breakers, i.e. not acceptable. So then we, we, we go back to like, you know, healthy personal boundaries, you know, what is acceptable for you as a person and what is not. So it's kind of like a two-tier kind of approach that I recommend, you know, yeah, obviously work on yourself, make sure you've got, you know, healthy self-esteem, make sure that you're not carrying any baggage from the past that's going to impact, you know, your next relationship, but also, you know, clue yourself up in terms of, you know, what potential red flags uh, look like, because otherwise, if you just ignore a red flag, and worse still, if you ignore your intuition, because I always say, trust your gut instinct. Because right. I know in my own life, every time I have ignored my intuition, I have paid, sometimes heavily. Right. So sometimes you may not necessarily have the evidence, may not be anything particularly obvious. You might just feel that something's a bit off. Well, if you get that feeling, pay attention. Pay attention, yeah. Well, the thing is, Nigel, sometimes we say, well, I found myself in this, or you hear people say that I found myself in these hunt unhealthy relationships. I don't suspect that we knowingly or wantingly go into relationships thinking, oh, it's going to be abusive or toxic. So we find ourselves in these situations. It's We ignored the red flags. We were ignoring possibly our own intuition, our own gut feeling. How do we spot that? Because people who are codependent, sometimes that nurturing aspect of them comes out and they think that they, oh, it's okay. I can help them with this or I can change this in them and then before you know it you're so deep into the relationship when you should have been able to say bye-bye a long time ago i guess i gotta find the question for that what i'm saying like we we don't find ourselves in unhealthy relationships more often than not sometimes we do people change they're not who we thought they were some of those red flags what would they be you have to understand with abusers they don't come with a label on their forehead saying well i'm an abuser 
they come with a lot of charisma often a lot of charm often there's something called love bombing so in love bombing basically the abuser showers the person with lots of love and gifts and attention etc now that's to suck the person in it's only when they're in and part of that love bombing strategy is it will make a person ignore their intuition it will make them ignore the red flags because they're too busy getting swept off their feet it's only when they're in and then the, the true behavior starts to come out the true nature of the abuser starts to come out they're already emotionally invested they're emotionally bonded and then the other thing that I see a lot of is trauma bonding. Um, sometimes it's called a Stockholm syndrome. Right. So the story of Stockholm is there was a bank robbery in the 70s. X amount of people were taken hostage. I think the, the uh, situation lasted a week. Anyway, the long and short of it is, is that there were female hostages taken. Now, one female hostage wanted to marry one of the hostage, hostage takers. Another one of the women they posted bail for another one of the hostage takers. So, but basically trauma bonding is caused by what they call intermittent reinforcement. So it's if someone treats you nice, then they treat you nasty. So it's a cycle of like hot and cold behavior. So the person at the end of this, eventually they, they end up I biochemically attached to their abuser. That's one. And then two, they're always forever chasing that golden period or that honeymoon phase where everything was wonderful and lovely. But during that love bombing phase, what's happening is, again, on a biochemical level, all your good feeling hormones are getting triggered. Dopamine and, you know, your adrenaline to an extent, your oxycotin. So oxycotin is a hormone which is known as the cuddling hormone, which basically bonds one person to another person. So women have more oxycotin, men have more testosterone. Yeah. So a woman produces oxycotin, say if they have an orgasm or when they're breastfeeding their child, they can even produce it when they're holding hands with their partner. Hence, that's why it's called the bonding kind of hormone or the cuddling hormone. So there's a lot of emotional, but also biochemical things going on not only during the honeymoon phase or the love bombing phase, but there's, there's also stuff going on. If it turns out to be an abusive relationship, there are again biochemical issues going on as well. And if you're trauma bonded to someone, it can be very difficult to leave them. If I had a pound, because obviously I live in the UK, so we've got pounds in. So if I had a pound for every comment I, I see online saying, oh, I really miss him. I know he's abusive, but, and guys too, they say, oh, I really, I really miss her. I know, I know she really treated me badly, but I still want her back. They have been trauma bonded. Because this is now after the, you know, the relationships have, have ended. So, but they've been trauma bonded, but they don't understand what it is. I can see what it is. Because obviously on a, on a logical basis, why would a person miss an ex-partner who has abused them. So on the surface, it doesn't make sense. But when you understand trauma bonding, it makes perfect sense. I've never heard of trauma bonding and it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. You know, and I've, I've, not, I've heard you mention before and in your book, values, values play a part in building successful relationships. Do you think that we should look for the same, similar values? Do you think that, speak just a little bit about the values. How important is it in a successful relationship? In my opinion, very. So you've got to look at values and beliefs or shared values and beliefs. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking, oh, we share the same interests. Oh, we like horror movies. Oh, we like sports. Or we like kicking back and watching Netflix. Those are interests. 
you can't really build a solid relationship going forward on shared interests. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that for me, it's more important to have shared values and beliefs because that's a more solid foundation. So for example, if your belief is you have Christian beliefs, you know, a, a strong Christian, for example, well, getting involved with an atheist may not be the best, may not be the best move because obviously you don't, you don't share the same values or beliefs for that matter. And you might have the same values in terms of, oh, it's not cool to be cruel to somebody else. But if you've got different beliefs, that could be an issue. Not to say that someone who's a Christian and someone who's a Buddhist, for example, um, they can't form a healthy relationship. Join Kimberly and Nigel on another podcast episode as they continue their conversation exploring relationships. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Another in conversation podcast coming soon.